There's no point in putting your head in the sand. It is the future. It is already here. So you do need to have policies and procedures in terms of the use of these products and what information can be used in it and also what information is gained from it. This is the Intelligent Rebellion. Howdy, 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 folks. Welcome to the Intelligent Rebellion Podcast. My name is Rhea Mercado and I am your host. On the 30th of November 2022, the day ChatGPT was launched. It's a form of generative AI based on a large language model which scrapes the content of the internet looking for associations between words, concepts, and images. However you might feel about artificial intelligence, the fact is it is here in our daily lives. Last year, I attended the National Health Workforce Summit in which our guest today, Alison Choi Flanagan, was a panel member in addressing health workforce challenges in the digital age and a deep dive in artificial intelligence. What piqued my interest, however, was when Alison spoke about the ethical considerations when using AI in the healthcare space. So, of course, as one does, as I do, I asked Alison to come onto the pod. Hey, Alison, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for jumping on. Thank you for having me. I look forward to the discussion. For the audience, would you like to go ahead and introduce yourself, what it is that you do, and most importantly, what animal do you most vibe with? Hi, my name is Alison Choi Flanagan, and I'm a partner with the national law firm Hall & Wilcox. I lead the health and community team at Hall & Wilcox, and I specialise in acting for health, aged care and life science clients. And one of my specialties is e-health and health tech. Animal that I most vibe with? Yeah. Oh, well, I suppose because I'm of Australian and Asian descent, it's got to be the dragon, hasn't it? Oh, it's the year of the dragon. Is that right? Yeah. There you go. Um, <laughs> strong, powerful, and um, might, mighty is the dragon. Uh, this is also the time that I will throw in the disclaimer. <laughs> the disclaimer is that this episode or anything that Alison and I speak about today should not be taken at all as legal advice. Just like with all the episodes of the pod, my chat with Alison is to simply explore a topic. If you want very specific legal advice, you've just heard what Alison um, does and, and where she's at. All her details will also be in the show notes. So make sure to give Alison a buzz and talk to her very specifically about your circumstances. Now, healthcare professionals, including me, are using AI in our daily work. Hey, Alison, can you talk us through what some of the key ethical considerations are when we are using AI in the healthcare space? So there are so many opportunities with AI to improve patient outcomes. And AI is currently being used in medical settings already, for example, um, in diagnostic imaging if a patient goes in and they're getting a, an x-ray and they get a referral, then they get an image and a report. The software and the AI can, using previous data sets that have been collected using providing diagnostic imaging services in the past. For example, if there is a, a word in a request and more likely or not, and something in the image, and there should be something in the report it's missing, then the AI will identify that so it can improve the reporting that occurs. Using that same analogy, in relation to the ethical issues, some of the ethical issues with that example are, should the patient be told that AI is being used in relation to those healthcare settings so that's sort of like consent and disclosure. And also, should there be transparency as to the process? 
So, for example, should they be published somewhere? What data set should be used in providing that healthcare setting? Ethical issues include also privacy protection. So, for example, when we said that the previous data sets are used to provide that service, is the privacy of the previous patients protected in relation to gathering all that data to provide that AI product? Reliability and safety is another ethical issue. So, for example, when I act for medical device companies, you know, the case study that I'm giving, you know, should there be clinicians that are involved in the development of those AI products? I would say absolutely yes. I mean, what do software developers know about healthcare? <laughs> so um, <laughs> it's really important when they're developing those software products that they have a clinical governance committee and medical practitioners, for example, diagnostic imaging practitioners and this or also referring medical practitioners are involved in developing that product. So that's reliability and safety, accountability as well. So making sure that when there's an AI product, the people are accountable to make sure that those systems are safe. And also ensuring that when those AI systems are developed, that they are developed for the well-being of humans and society rather than for the well-being of increasing profitability for one particular company. Yeah. And to have the human-centered values so that when those products are developed, they are developed keeping in mind that what the ultimate aim is is to improve outcomes for the patients. So um, some of the examples in human society, environmental well-being, human-centered values, fairness, privacy protection and security, reliability and safety, transparency and explainability, contestability and accountability. So they're some of the ethical and moral issues that are considered in relation to that, but I've tried to put that into a case study so you can actually understand what those concepts mean in practice. Yeah, we love a case study, especially in healthcare. There are so many considerations there when it comes to all of the things that kind of need to happen when we are using brand new technology and emerging technology in the space. What challenges are you finding in trying to meet some of these ethical considerations or making sure that it is human-centered or patient-centered and that people aren't using this for profitability or only for profitability? Um, there are a number of challenges in relation to it because in some respects, it's a new technology and you've got new companies that are new to it. Mm-hmm. For example, awareness and education, educating the public and uh, stakeholders in the AI community of the ethical and moral issues. So at least, you know, you don't know what you don't know. So yeah. at least they're aware that these are issues that are in place. I think that the current legislation will need to be reviewed in terms of protecting the rights of consumers. And the Australian government has published an interim response on safe and responsible AI in the Australian consultation paper. So that's part of the education process going on. And the government has published an interim response and they have indicated that they will be reviewing Australian legislation for example, privacy legislation to take into consideration changes in AI to protect the community. So again, you know, governance, awareness, the challenges of um, reviewing and amending legislation to protect consumers and also challenges with the technology as well. 
Yeah, and we're, and we're talking about quite a larger kind of organization space. How about for small business owners and healthcare providers, people like myself and my colleagues? Because after listening to you at the summit, my head like was like, what? Oh, holy crap. Like I need to review all our data handling policies and processes now that we are using AI because we use AI here at, at 3.6 and the Rebellion around personal information. What very simplistic and easy advice might you give to somebody, again, very broadly, about how can we tell consumers that AI is being used if I'm a healthcare provider? Do I just say, oh, by the way, we use ChatGPT or by the way, like, what do we do? In relation to healthcare, AI is a tool that is used by the clinician. And if I was advising a medical practitioner in, you know, in a whether it's in a cell practice or in a, a medical centre, mm-hmm. I would advise them to become aware of the issues, first of all, and yeah. that's part of what this podcast to, does. And also considering issues like, for example, privacy, data security, making sure that, that's, that you've got protections in place. In relation to AI that's used like a medical device when you're using it in software to provide patient care, I think that you need to do two things. One is due diligence and the second is consent and transparency. So, for example, if you are a medical practitioner and you are using a particular piece of medical device within your practice, I don't know, for example, a defibrillator, for example, if someone were to crash, yeah. right, you wouldn't just go to Woolworths and buy one off the shelf, would you? You would actually <laughs> do some due diligence that the, the piece of equipment that you're buying is being sold by someone who's reputable if it needs to be. So medical devices sometimes need to be registered with a TGA mm-hmm. on the Australian Register of Therapeutic Goods. So if you're buying a defibrillator, you would want to make sure that that's registered with a TGA. Same with an AI product, which is a medical device. You would want to make sure that they're registered with the TGA. So doing that due diligence on your procurement process and in relation to cancer, really working out how AI is being used in your practice and being transparent and open with consumers. So, you know, for example, you tell a consumer, you have to go get an X-ray and we're going to send you to a diagnostic imaging company. Yeah. And then that consumer goes there and sees this piece of equipment. That's sort of like a consent. You're telling the consumer, okay, well, this equipment's part of your care. Why would you not do that with AI? And also, you know, sometimes when you give them, for example, medical care, there's a, a duty of care under civil liability legislation in Australia to provide reasonable care, but also there's also a duty care to warn of material risks. Mm-hmm. So that duty to warn also applies to the use of any sort of technology that you're using and providing to the consumer, and that would include AI. That that just really blew my mind for a second, and I know you mentioned it a little bit in that panel discussion at, at the summit, is the reframing of AI technology as potentially a medical device. I thought that was just really like to bridge that gap and, and to put it in that space was so enlightening. Uh, and for you to just say that again is you're right. I mean, I wouldn't grab a defibrillator just from Kmart and go use it on somebody. So why would you grab, you know, a, t- a technology that's helping you make clinical decisions from Kmart as well? It's yeah. not, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, because well, when you put it that way, it's like, oh, well, duh. <laughs> like, wait, but to simplify, thank you for doing that um, and, and really putting that in a box, something to, to, for all of us 
to think about. I wonder then things like when we're using Apple watches or when we're using heart rate monitors that are now connected to apps and using that as a part of our treatments and analysis, that just opens up that reframing of looking at those tools as also, hey, are they approved and, and you know, TGA and things like that. So thank you for um, cracking that, that wide open. We've spoken about personal information and dumping people's personal information into these types of things, but how about intellectual property? How about when someone takes, um, say, a company policy or procedure and puts it into AI and says, rewrite this so it's nice and pretty? What are your thoughts around creating IP in the healthcare space using things like generative AI or what people are familiar with, like ChatGPT? Yeah, that's really interesting. So products such as ChatGPT use um, historic data give this example my daughter got married and it really helped me do a, a mother of the bride speech it did it brilliantly um but the thing is that when you put data into products such as chat ppt you're actually disclosing it to the public and mm -hmm. so that could be a breach of the privacy act which is a serious data breach which needs notification to the government as well as to the patients so that's pretty serious so again don't put any confidential patient data into those sort of products and also the information they provide the the result the speech for example mm -hmm. is not covered by copyright so it's public domains and what happens is if you're if you're a medical practitioner involved in research and it's going to be valuable and you want to register a patent patents are only registrable if the technology is what we call novel Mm -hmm. and hasn't been disclosed, so you've got to keep the confidentiality. So you might lose the ability to register a patent if you put put all that information into ChatGPT. And also, for patents to be registered, you need uh, human involvement. So if the ChatGPT actually creates the technology that you want to patent, you might not be able to do it. So it has a lot of implications in terms of privacy as well as IP. That is. So everyone should have a policy and procedure. Yeah. In their organization, because you have to assume that your employees are using it. Or, yeah. you know, the, the, the young ones are all using it all the time. Mm -hmm. There's no point in putting your head in the sand. It is the future. It, yeah. already, it is already here. So you do need to have policies and procedures in terms of the use of these products and what information can be used in it and also what information is gained from it. So, for example, at Hall & Wilcox, we're a law firm. We have a policy that we don't put any clients' information into products such as ChatGPT. Our firm is looking at AI products and it's really exciting to see what they can do in terms of reviewing contracts, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So we're being agile and upfront about the technology, but also we are putting in policies and procedures to protect not only the firm and its employees, but also our clients. And our clients can be healthcare providers, so their clients as well. And I suppose that is just the broader issue of if you are providing services to the Australian public, then... We want to make sure that you are doing the right thing. And because ChatGPT, generative AI has just really come into play. So I feel like we're catching up a little bit on how to navigate and how to use it. And then our laws are trying to catch up in addition to that. How are you able to help businesses, small, medium, large, to maybe put in processes and procedures? Did you want to just maybe plug your services and let us know how to find you for anybody who wants help with navigating this space? We're more than happy to help in many ways. So, for example, a lot of our clients have actually got me in to do 
presentations to their board mm -hmm. as a start, so at least they know what their issues are. <laughs> Secondly, we've helped clients draft policies and procedures in relation to protection of privacy and IP in relation to AI and also I've acted for AI companies mm -hmm. that are creating these products and quite often I will go in and do a risk analysis for them. So I'll go through the product, I'll go through the product development, I'll go through the content. So sometimes, you know, when you go on those online um, health sites and you'll see these warnings saying, please don't continue here, go see the emergency department. I'm the person that drafts it. Oh, you're the, you're <laughs> the person. So, you know, putting those sort of disclaimers in, at what okay. point do you go, actually, we, we need human intervention rather than rely solely on software. Mm -hmm. And disclaimers, terms and conditions. So, yeah, we provide a number of corporate commercial regulatory services around the use of AI. I'm more than happy to offer those services. You'll find me on the internet if you Google Alison Choi Flanagan, <laughs> but I'm sure you'll publish it. Hall & Wilcox is a national leading law firm. And so we've got offices in every city of Australia, but you can contact me if, if you need legal advice. Alison, just as we wrap up, what are you most excited about in this AI space in healthcare? I'm really excited about it will revolutionise healthcare. Sometimes I do the medical negligence cases as well with my medical defence colleagues where silly mistakes are made and it has really impacted patients whether they die or they suffer mm -hmm. injuries. And so what I'm excited is that in the future, the technology will stop silly mistakes happening. The technology will revolutionise, like, for example, there are already products at the moment where the software will scan the medical records and if there is um, indications from the observations from the patient that there's sepsis, right, for example, mm -hmm. it'll run an alert. There's alert saying this patient is subject to sepsis and that could be applied not only, for example, in hospitals, but let's think residential aged care facilities. So, you know, I just think that having that safety net of the technology is absolutely a fantastic opportunity, but we just need to be careful to remember that they are a tool. Yeah. So ultimately it's up for the actual clinician to assess what that tool is telling them and making the assessment. Yeah. And I feel like it's um, in addition to artificial intelligence, I mean, it's also augmented intelligence it's augmenting us humans to maybe be able to do our job a little bit better Alison thank you so much for coming on board and sharing your knowledge with us I very much appreciate you and your time you're welcome it's been great chatting The Intelligent Rebellion podcast is a Three Sticks production. It is written, hosted, and produced by me, Maria Mercado. Wills is our Emperor of Sound and our Executive Producer. Join our community at www.theintelligentrebellion.com.